0: Are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. We call some of those folks sommeliers, wine aficionados, wine experts, wine gurus, and the most commonly used title, boring. Welcome to Grape Encounters. We love wine just as much as anyone else, but While we crave those special wines that are silky smooth and go down so easy, we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. There is one overriding premise here at Grape Encounters. Wine pairs best with life. Accordingly, your host David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time, how to have more fun with your wine, where to enjoy wine the most, How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson.
1: Time for your weekly dose of unpretentious wine appreciation here on Grape Encounters Radio. Now, last week we were at Mulvaney's BL, a truly iconic restaurant built around the sustainability concept that we talk about frequently on Grape Encounters. On that show, we were pleased to introduce Janet Fletcher, a prolific cookbook and food and wine author whose just released Wine Country Table Cookbook is getting tons of buzz. We were fortunate to spend some quality time in Sacramento with Janet and sit down with her to enjoy some of her stunning creations. What we didn't have time to do on that show was introduce you to a legendary chef who's really made a huge name for himself as a leader of the farm to table movement. So today I am so pleased to introduce you to this amazing chef, Patrick Mulvaney. And in the second half of the show, I'm going to take you a few miles down the road to the Sacramento River Delta, where you'll meet a member of a winemaking family that's been farming the region for several generations. So Patrick's here with me now in our makeshift studio in his wine cellar. And Patrick, I call it farm to table, but here in Sacramento, you call it farm to fork, right? Yep. Probably about 10
2: years ago, the mayor said, Patty, what do you think? Kevin Johnson was the mayor. And he said, what do you think about calling ourselves the farm to fork capital? And I said, not much, because you're right. I didn't think banging your chest was that good. But then when I thought about it more, I realized that Sacramento is, and California is, agriculture. And this is who we are. And Sacramento at the time had a little uh, complex about not being, cool enough and people would say when i moved here people said it's a cow town i said "Yeah, it's great isn't it i love beef right and so we we decided to roll it out and and it's been amazing to see how much the community has embraced it right that that the size of trucks bringing booze say farm to bottle and uh a bottle yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, you know what, what's interesting to me is that when we first started talking to the wine institute about the sustainability program mm-hmm. I, I think listeners would say what what is that exactly it wasn't something that initially was really connecting with people but I've seen it change a lot and and really even in the last five years or you know and I know there's a difference between organic and sustainability but they overlap in some Mm -hmm. places you know remember when 10-15 years ago if you were looking for an organic wine how terrible most of them were yes they were terrible I mean let's be honest almost
2: as bad as the kosher ones (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and those are getting great too so where do you feel that we are right now with the general public and sustainability How far has the pendulum swung?
2: So I think that that we in California are probably ahead of the national curve. I think in Northern California here, we're probably a little ahead of the the California curve. Here's what I'm always afraid of, is that when you say sustainability, that people feel like they're in a classroom. And oh my goodness, do I have to give the right answer or the wrong answer or how does that work? So when we talk about sustainability here, we don't really seek organic, but we think about sustainability of the farms and the farmers and the employees. And so when we we decide whose wine are we going to go, we'll go down and see Tim Mathiason and walk his fields and have some lunch and then say, killer product, killer family, killer way to run a business. We want to support you. Yeah. And so, I th- and I think for the general public, and at least for the customers that come to the B&L, they know that since we are sourcing thoughtfully, that they can feel good about what they buy here.
1: I have a, a, a strange metaphor for sustainability. And and it's it goes like this. If I go rent a hotel room, I'm expected to leave that hotel room exactly the way I got it. If I don't, I'm in big trouble, right? I'm going to pay a fine. I'm going to get charged something. I'm never coming back. Right. And I see sustainability as, and oddly, it's it's a little counterintuitive, I suppose, as far as this metaphor is concerned, but it's kind of like the hotel example that, you know, the idea is you come in and you leave it exactly the way you, it was when you got there or to take it one step further, even better if you possibly can.
2: And that's what we hope about, right? We hope that we take things that we got from our parents and leave it better for my children. And for me, Quite as I get older, I realize it's for my grandchildren because they're the ones who are going to take care of me when I get old.
1: Do people get the importance of it? Some do,
2: for sure, right? And maybe not everybody, but I think that it's important in our culture here at the restaurant, and it's important. We talk about people that work for us, waiters, because our menu changes all the time, right? Every day, the menu's changing. And for some people, that's a challenge. But for people who stay with us and have been here for our long-time employees, it means they're engaged. And it's that engagement that keeps them coming back, and I think the same is probably true of it. What,
1: what drives the menu change? Is it, is it what's out there in the marketplace?
2: It's whatever comes in the front door, exactly. goes on the plate. And so, Because we live in this place with a 12-month growing season, there are things that are different all the time. And could be Nina bringing in grapefruits from next door, or running across the street and getting bay leaves off the tree, or hopefully next month someone roasting agave and looking forward to the first California mezcal distillate uh, growing. But we have this opportunity to grow things, and California is a place of experimentation. It's, it's the wild west it's the golden the golden state and so there's always a sense of adventure and excitement and I think that the reason that people want it to be sustainable is because the blessings that we've had from California, I want them for my grandchildren.
1: So one of the first two masters of wine, Tim Hanny, mm-hmm. was on my show a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And I know you know Tim, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Tim is probably, you would expect to be one of the first people to be incredibly pretentious where food and wine is concerned. But he's taken a lot of heat lately because he's really come out and said, you know, wine and food pairing, much of this is just a lot of fooey, and that we take all of this way too seriously. And things that are really important are probably about the food, you know, the salt, the sweet, the sour, all of that, the umami, as opposed to our getting ridiculous with wine. What do you think?
2: Well, I think one, first, I think I love Tim because he was one of the first masters that I met of wine. And when we talked about what wine was all about, he said, I'm going to break it down for you. There are two kinds of wine, yum and yuck. Everything else... (laughs) Everything else is frivolous. (laughs) So I guess then what I would say is I might even take it a little further, that certainly you want your food to be balanced and tasty, and you want it to uh, complement the wine, and you want the wine to complement the food, and certainly you're not going to eat a raw artichoke and a Malbec, right? That's not going to taste good. Mm -hmm. But I think that for me and for my wife that the more important piece is that food and wine provides the setting in which you can have open discussions. Right? Or as we say in Ireland, the most powerful man is the shanaki of the storyteller. And so for us, sitting at table is a way to provide the storyteller space. And as my first boss used to say, it's through the telling of the old stories that we make our society. So stories. again
1: I've said it many times on the air that wine should be a social lubricant that stimulates conversation about everything except the wine.
2: <laughs> I like that.
1: We talk too much about wine, yes. don't we?
2: Yes. Why
1: is that? I I strain in tasting rooms as I watch people come in. And there's the the person whose job is to talk up the wine to sell the wine is to talk about terroir, to talk about which direction the grapes are planted, how far apart the vines are, what the climate conditions are. And really, the person behind the bar generally, and it's not all people, they, they just want you to find them good wine.
2: Just is it good or bad? You know, we were. At, my friend has an oyster party every year in uh, Napa. Yeah, it sounds and so, good. And, to, and he, he sells barrels, right? So there's a bunch yeah. of winemakers and we'll be sitting outside generally later at night smoking a cigar and drinking wine. And when we're with some pretty heavy hitter winemakers, they'll say this. They'll stand and they'll taste their friend's wine and say, hmm, pretty good. Because people will say, what about the cedar that comes out in the notes and start with the talking too much? And the other winemakers will just look at them. They just want to make something, like you said, that's a social lubricant. And the other thing that I think is interesting is once they said one of the guys was a winemaker for uh, a million bottle operation and and one of the one of the people who was interested in wine said oh poor boy you don't get to make really good wine that's you know you're less than and the winemakers the top flight guys were all said we admire him because he produces a standard quality good product year after year we're blessed because we have we have vines, we go out, we pick them, we squeeze them, we ferment them, and boom, they they do all the work. This guy does the really hard work that we admire.
1: 250,000 barrels of a Chardonnay that people expect to be consistent year after year, and in in many cases people that are doing some of these bulk-produced wines are doing it in a sustainable way. They're using real oak barrels. They're not throwing chips in there and sawdust in there. I mean, it's a combination like, you know, Kendall Jackson should be Respected, Yes. They do a heck of a job. Right. You know, and, and, and the wine's good. We're in the golden age of wine right now. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't want to, if, if I could go back to Napa in, you know, 1976 at the time of the, the judgment of Paris, I wouldn't trade the wines we have today. for. <laughs> would you?
2: No. And that's what, you know, our friend Daryl Cordy owns. He says, Mulvaney, the quality of American wine over the last 30 years has been amazing. And the most important thing is that there is precious little bad
1: wine left. Yeah. Hey, we've got to take a break. I'm I'm talking to Patrick Mulvaney. He and his wife own Mulvaney B&L, which stands for Building and Loan, not Broccoli and Lettuce. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this.
0: Do you ever wonder what goes on in the Grape Encounter studio while you're listening to the commercial break? Research. Yeah, that's what we do. Research. You can never do too much research.
3: Oregon Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from authentic Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon.
0: free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com.
1: Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from zip-lining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com.
0: Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio. Since we aren't a TV show, we'd love for you to see and learn more about our incredible wine country town. Check out visitatascadero.com. Once you see how good we've got it, Maybe you'll plan a trip to see us in person.
1: Back with Grave Encounters Radio, and Patrick Mulvaney is a hero in a lot of people's eyes, an inspiration to so many people who are really all about and support the sustainability movement. But the farm-to-fork, here in Sacramento, we call it farm-to-fork, right? In other parts of the world, it's farm-to-table. In my world, it's farm-to-mouth. But anyway, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about something serious. And that's the work that you're doing in mental health in this industry and parallel industries as well. I think that's really amazing. I don't think people realize just how stressful the food industry is. And and I look at the wine industry and a study that I saw recently, and I think they said that like 25% of the people that work in wine and spirits are. You know, functional alcoholics Mm. As much as people think that Wow, we're just around great food all the time And we're around great wine all the time There's a real dark side to it too And And it's high
2: stress And, you know, what we've been thinking about lately Is that we're in hospitality So I'll come to your table and say Is your wine cold? Is your soup hot? How how was your drink? Is your steak cooked properly? and if you say to me oh are you cut are you bleeding i'll say no i'm fine yeah because we're in hospitality all of us we face outward and we haven't really been thinking about ourselves and as a result there's been there's negative effects for and you've sure. had I, and so i know
1: and, i don't want to get into the details but yeah. for another time but you've had some serious losses yourself of people that you've and loved and so
2: just in the last month i've been yeah just a real bad bad time around christmas and yeah. but what happened was what we saw is because of the work we've been doing and talking about mental health and issues and making sure that everyone was okay is that we saw our family our tribe come together here in the restaurant making sure that we're taking care of everybody saying if you knew someone was having a tough day would you give them a break and then seeing people actually giving them that break so starting to roll out our program called i got your back that uh that will we'll be rolling out in sacramento probably next month and then hopefully give it out to the world and see if other people can i think it,
1: i think it's sensational and, and i i really appreciate it too and Uh, because I know so many people who suffer with it very silently. And not only that, I think that just people who are listening who drink wine, it's wine should be a medicine for laughter and happiness. It shouldn't be a way of self-medicating.
2: And a connection. It should be be to connect and rather than isolate.
1: Right, exactly. That's very well put. And if you're doing that, you really, really need to think about it and take positive steps to remove yourself from that situation because it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see it happen to you. That being said, just thank you for that. Yes. All right. Question. Why is there so much... Lousy tasting, flavorless food. And I, I, this is something I don't get. I don't. I don't get how I could go in and I could, for instance, buy a packaged product that some company, you know, who had billions of dollars for research and development and whatever, could do whatever they wanted, make whatever they want, and they put out something that is just disgraceful. And and even go to <laughs> I hate to say this, but go to friends' houses and the food is just terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. What's going
1: on? Why can't why can't people get flavor down pat?
2: Well, one, I think that with the big products, maybe they should just concentrate on beans because it's run by the bean counters. It would be more <laughs> paying attention. But two, yeah, it's it's the so here in the restaurant, we always talk about the flavor, right? Does everything taste? How does it taste? And are you watching it all along? And the other piece that I think contributes to why the people who work here care about and pay attention to the food is that we talk on a regular basis about the whole supply chain. So we'll take the kitchen to a Matanza to a pig killing once or twice a year to see that pig that gives up its life for you. When we do that, food waste in the restaurant goes down 25% for the following probably month month and a half because people know and it's but it's not just the farmer it's not just the pig it's the delivery guy it's everyone all along the way it's the bus boy it's the dishwasher who's cleaning up at the end of the night and mopping the floors so it's a piece of how do you have respect for that and if you're going to do that make sure that you're making the food good the other piece as a fat guy is that I'm no longer at 3500 calories a day right I'm down to 2500 so I need to make them count and so it's important well, that's to me re- that re- re- really
1: good. really good comment from uh, a fellow fat guy. (laughs) But, but, you know, it just seems like people have lost sight of, and you use the word, and I think it's it's the operative word, flavor. Mm -hmm. Like, where is the flavor? If the flavors not there you know you might as well eat something ridiculously healthy if you're just trying to bulk up and and get full and you know and don't bother if you're going to use up some calories then make it worth something
2: well we grew up in an irish household and i think that my grandmother used to refer to things as heretically tasty so uh (laughs) which meant that i was always going next door to the indelicados because their food was great
1: i asked janet this question i'll ask you the same question um would we be far better off to go to the farmer's market or even, you know, if you, you have a decent grocery store and the outer perimeter of the grocery store is where the healthy food is, the decent food is, everything in the middle you should just forget except maybe the spice aisle, I suppose, or something. Wouldn't we as Americans be a lot better off to do what the Europeans do, or what the Asians do? They go to markets. They find what's fresh and good and beautiful and then decide what's for dinner as opposed to what Americans do, which is I'm having lasagna for dinner, so I got to get my recipe out. There you go.
2: And make everything. So for the 13 years that the BNL has been open we've been guided by the menu, which changes daily, is based on whatever the farmers bring on the front door is what goes on your plate. So I think that's a great idea. You're right. People should do that. Having said that, as a good Catholic boy, I am a sinner. And there's a reason I go to church to pray for forgiveness every week. Because What what is it? What is it? As soon as my wife leaves town to go on one of her trips, I am directly to that frozen food aisle to get White Castles. Really, oh, my favorite. So, just like we said, if if food is a way to bring people together across the table, it's also a way to reinforce memories. All right.
1: Now, besides white castles, why is frozen lasagna just about the only frozen food that is you know is actually really pretty <laughs> <teady> delicious? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's an easy one, because,
2: right? Because, well, it depends. If it's Mrs. Indelicato's frozen lasagna, then it's good. If it was my mother's frozen lasagna, it would be good as a doorstop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my mother's maiden name is Scaccianoche, so you, <laughs> you can bet I had good lasagna growing up. Yep. All right, you've changed Sacramento. How do you change the rest of the world now?
2: It's continuing to invite people to our table, to be inclusive, right? Just to be able to say to people not, we are better or we are other, but to say, this is what we do. How can we help you? So just as we do in mental health or or access and equity for people who are in food deserts, we look to friends or even unlikely suspects as partners and say, here's a problem that we want to solve and we're working towards it. Will you come with us?
1: If a chef in another part of the country is hearing this right now, can they call you?
2: Absolutely. For yeah. advice? Yeah, info, culinary. Yeah, just, just go on the website and send us a note, or if it's mental health, go on to I igotyourback.info. There's all sorts of ways to get in touch with me, uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that. Is
1: there some sort of brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, that's out there? So I think that there
2: is there is clearly a brotherhood of cooks and sisterhood of cooks. You right? talk. And we talk to each other, and we talk in a different language, right? And so we talk about the things that we have in common. We talk about how to face challenges that each of us faces, right? And the the food industry, while we are concentrated on hospitality and taking care of you, behind that outward-facing hospitality is a fraternity, right, that keeps us together, that keeps me in contact with the brand-new pastry cook at another place that's there so you know when i go out to restaurants in other cities that we always go into the kitchen to say thank you boys thank you girls appreciate it how was dinner
1: patrick mulvaney and i really really appreciate it it's been a thrill to be here with you i'm glad i drove the i (laughs) team gazillion miles to come here to be with you but it's really a, a gas thanks a lot hey so much fun here at the wine country table cookbook launch at mulvaney's B&L in Sacramento. Check it out. It's one of the most beloved restaurants in this area. If you're in this area, by all means, come here.
0: David will be back with more grape encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business.
4: Time tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Winamore. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy malbec.
3: Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get together.
4: Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Winamore. <laughs> Cheers!
1: I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of peak ranch i recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press what i didn't initially realize is that i had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted pinots Syrahs, chardonnays and more remarkably these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade john wagner Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com
3: savor oregon's finest wines at the oregon wine experiences grand tasting on sunday august 25th work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of oregon in one unique location the wine pours start at 2 p.m plan your experience today Go to TheOregonWineExperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon.
0: Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones.
1: I'll tell you what, you know, I've been taking myself back to my childhood, but I'm doing that by taking some wine with me, doing some things that I haven't done in a really, really long time. One of those was horseback riding out at Cooper Garrett in Saratoga loads of fun and today i'm in a place where i haven't literally been at least other than just sort of driving through literally since i was a kid and it was my favorite place to go when we were young we would go up to the sacramento river delta my father would rent a houseboat in those days you could afford to rent a houseboat They're a little more expensive these days, but there's this massive network of rivers and sloughs and all these wonderful places and coves to explore and fishing and water skiing. Whatever you want to do, it's water-based recreation on steroids here. But what a lot of people don't know is that when you park your boat alongside the river and you climb up the embankment, you might very well discover some really terrific wineries that have been fairly low profile for a very long time. They've been growing a lot of grapes. They've been sending those grapes to other places all over the country, but now they're starting to really make a name for themselves, and I am at one such place right now. It's Herringer Estates, and I'm sitting with Mike Herringer. He's an owner of this winery, and he's also the winemaker here. And Mike, I'm just loving where we're sitting right now to begin with.
4: Wow, well, thank you for having me. Um, this is a great, great spot. Uh, you cross over the Freeport Bridge right coming across to, uh, out of Sacramento off of Highway Five, and you come across the Freeport Bridge cross the sacramento river and it 's like you 're in a whole nother world so all of us, all of a sudden
1: i you know where I come from, there really aren 't rivers that run all year long and As I was driving along the Sacramento River, and you just have a beautiful view of the river as you're going along it, it's just this wonderful, lazy river. And I remember just how exciting it was that you could connect to a massive number of rivers and sloughs and and water tracks. And you don't really see it if you're in a car. You're never going to see it. You'll cross the rivers once in a while. But if you're in a boat, it's all you're going to see. Yes. yes. And and you don't really realize what's up at the top of the levee. Yeah. Uh, Now, I drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. There you go. Not here. uh, No. (laughs) Anyway, but this property is just breathtaking. And as far as I can see are your vines. And I do want to say, in case somebody's sitting there at home and they're going, well, where exactly is that? The Sacramento River Delta is a really massive area and the yes. part of it that we're in right now is called Clarksburg. Mm-hmm. And then Mike, how, how many wineries now are there that are making wine or grown grapes here in Clarksburg?
4: Yeah, there's uh, probably close to two dozen now. Two so, dozen? Yeah, we've started, uh, it's a small region. We've been a growing region here since the 70s and, and it's still just grown quite significantly. And, uh We've got wineries that are here uh, just with uh, such a great region near Sacramento. Got a lot of great folks to share this experience with. We're right here along the Elk Slough, which is a tributary of the Sacramento River and just a great spot for local folks to come I, out. I was
1: very disappointed. In you, you took me for a walk on Elk Slough, <laughs> yes. and I asked you how the fishing was, and you said, I don't really fish. <laughs> what's I what's know. that about you grew up I here, know. for Pete's sake. I no,
4: I grew up working on the ranch, and my dad, we never had a lot of time to fish. Did so. dad fish? That's the life of a farmer. No. No, no fishing.
1: Really? So, no. What a was lot on, of farming, but what no was fishing. On the, what was on the table?
4: <laughs> tomatoes and corn. And And and
1: probably beef, right?
4: Alfalfa and beef, sure. Alfalfa was on your table? Not on our table, but
1: in the cow that
4: we were being fed.
1: (laughs) <laughs> All right. So this property has been in the family for how many generations?
4: Six generations. Six generations. If you count wow. my my kids and my, my brother and sister's kids, they'll be the seventh generation. So 150 years, over 150 years.
1: Last year was your 150th year, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Did you have yep. a big
4: celebration? 1868 was, uh, was the year. So yeah, last year we didn't have, this was kind of the grand opening of this space that we've been renovating here. Okay, nobody
1: can see it. Because it's radio, so let me. Just, <laughs> he's, he's like pointing at okay, all these kind. <laughs> he's taking his microphone and pointing it at the rafters. We're in this barn yes. that is really. It was just restored meticulously, mm-hmm. and and uh, as I understand it, so much of the wood that's in here is the original wood so it's how old
4: uh over 120 years old
1: 120 years old yeah there are not a lot of barns in california yeah first of all that are that old to begin with and certainly that are standing yes and then you took some of the exterior wood and then you turned it around yes it becomes the siding on the inside on the inside well what was that for
4: uh, just because it's beautiful. I mean, you look at the old wood, some of it's painted, some of it's a uh, natural wood color, but it's just absolutely gorgeous. So
1: what replaced it on the outside?
4: Uh, new siding because we wanted the barn to last another 150 years. Yeah, so you think you'll we, be,
1: you'll, will you be here for that?
4: <laughs> I hope to God we are. I won't be here for that, but
1: hopefully someone <laughs> in the family is. Yeah, I tasted two wines already. This was a popular varietal when your parents yes. were drinking wine and that's Shannon Blanc. For sure. Yes. It, it was it was like the white wine along with Chardonnay. Yeah. Back in the sixties, seventies. And then Judgment of Paris comes along, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden, you're starting to really pay attention to Cabernet and other uh, varietals. But the Chenin Blanc, very delicious. That's one of the yeah. big wines that you grow here, right? Yes. Yeah, that's one of our stakeholders here
4: in the Delta. So it's been touted as one of the three top places in the world to grow Chenin Blanc. So what? here south africa and then france so it's uh
1: one of the three top places Mm -hmm. who said that (laughs) you're gonna put me on the spot no i'm not (laughs) By the way, you know, we're doing stories on the Wine Country Table Cookbook by Janet Fletcher. I mean, this cookbook is just so crazy. yeah. And you can hear me talking about it on Grape Encounters. This cookbook highlighted some of the great wineries, winery families, heritage properties, that sort of thing. Yes, You guys made the cut.
4: Yes, we did. No, we're, we're very excited to be included in that book. Yeah, it's uh, the the best of California. Um, just real authentic farm locations and uh, generational families that are that are highlighted. So if you come to California, that's the the book to get into. And uh, there's a lot of unknown spots on there that that are great to to be a part this of. This
1: is I'm, I'm on a mission in 2019, which is I don't want to send them as much as I love places like Board. Doe and Tuscany and Napa and Sonoma. You know what? I want to send you to some places you haven't been. Yeah, with two dozen wineries on the Delta. Okay, there's a pretty good chance that you could go out and uh, you could rent a houseboat. Mm-hmm. and I don't know how many wineries are close to a river, so you could literally, mm-hmm. you go boating most of the day, but you go visit a couple of wineries. Bees you could dab. you could see half the wineries here. Yeah. You bring wine back to the boat. You're going to sleep on the boat at night. Oh, man. You're going to lay up on the deck <laughs> up there under the stars. Yes. You're going to fish even though Mike doesn't fish. That's it. So actually, you're going to go back after your wine tasting and sit on the lazy river. You're going to fish they're sturgeon, right? Mm-hmm. Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. The catfish here is great. Oh yeah. You can collect crawdads, right? Oh yes. And they're good yep. eating as well.
4: Yep. Big crawdad festival. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and then anyway. you and then you clean the fish, you cook it up. I'm going to give you Mike's uh, cell phone number right now. Now you, you go. can you can call him. <laughs> it's area code nine one six. No, we're not going
4: to do that. <laughs> we'll arrange it. That's what we you do. You just call Harringer we'll and say, Hey,
1: Mike, we got some fish for you. Yes. Would you trade a bottle of wine for some some delicious fish? Oh, that's a good question. I think <laughs> I probably a, would. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. We're going to. Depends take,
4: on the fish, though, I we're, guess.
1: We're going to take a break in just a second here, but we've got uh, five wines. We'll taste two during the break. And, and we just had, by the way, a rose of Malbec. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Yeah. Light. That's a porch pounder kind of. Well, yes. It's a nice low alcohol wine. I think a really pretty wine. Very fragrant. Yeah, really delicious. I can't wait to try your Malbec. Thank you. Am I going to be trying the Malbec? Yes, you are. Okay, all <laughs> I'll go right. Go get it. Hey, listen, we're, we're, we're at uh, Herringer Estates. It's in the Sacramento Valley, and it's also the Sacramento River Delta. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a beautiful area and, and very diverse, lots of really cool things to do here. This, the town of Sacramento is fantastic. It's got a reputation for that and some of the greatest chefs around that are uh, cooking here. Yeah. So anyway, and they're, you know, pairing it up with wines from Harringer Estates. And they also may be pairing it up with grapes from Herringer Estates that were made into wine by other people, because you guys sell a ton of grapes to other people, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah. We've worked hard to, to share the, the wealth of the region, and we, we're selling to over 65 wineries throughout California and out of the state. All right. We're going we, we to be back from slough.
1: Herringer Estates. We're in the uh, Sacramento River Delta, the town of Clarksburg, California. And we'll be back with more grape encounters and Mike Herringer right after this.
0: Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvée in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio.
4: Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Winamore.
2: Nothing beats beers and burgers, and with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one waiting for you.
3: Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rose to the table for a perfect pairing.
2: When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand.
4: Hey, grab me another! Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always
1: low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Winamore. Cheers! Wrestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle. Plus an amazing array of attractions from zip lining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does. And these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com.
0: People often ask, why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounter's host, David Wilson, for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple. No one likes the old rules.
1: Back with Grape Encounters Radio coming to you from the Herringer Estates Vineyards and Winery in beautiful Clarksburg, California. This is like country, man. And I've got uh, my herringer here with me. Yeah. And then there's more herringers involved in the operation. The place has been around for 150 years. Not all those years were wine, of course. Yes. But you've got your dad involved yep. and uh, your grandfather before that, and yep. your brother involved, and yes. both your brother and your dad are Steves, right? Both Steves. Yeah. Both so Steves. My, my, my dad uh,
4: is, is just recently taken on a consulting uh, program, so he's our He's our best kept secret as far as the historical references and grape growing. Uh, my brother has spent uh, 12 years in active duty army, so th- so thankful for his service. And uh, he's here, Bad. yeah, taking over uh, operations. He's got a lot of leadership skills. He graduated from UC Davis with an engineering degree, so he's got a great engineering mind, and is doing a great job in the vineyards and um, and also helping out uh, with uh, with the winery. And my sister Stacy finished at uh, San Luis Obispo in uh, recreation administration.
1: Down my neck of the woods. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right.
4: Right around the corner, and and uh, she is heading all our our wine club uh, membership yeah. and serves people every day. She loves that. Talk about sustainability for a second. You guys. So, how
1: long has that been a yeah. mantra here?
4: Yeah, well, it's been a mantra for about 150 years. Really? So, my dad is, and my grandfather always said, hey, you can't have farmed uh, in California for 150 years and not have been sustainable. So, the ground is as fertile as it has ever been. So, we just uh, about 15 years ago, everything is certified sustainable now, which means that we go through a third-party certification. Is that the uh,
1: SIP certification program? Are
4: you part of that one, or is it a different one? It's a different one. So it's uh, Protected Harvest, and it's through a program that's local here in in Northern California. And um, we get audited annually, and we run through. We have to meet minimum standards of farming. It goes into the environmental aspect of what we do the, um, how we relate to our employees and our community. So the social socially equitable side of it, and then the financial equitable yeah, um, very nice stewardship side of it.
1: I just want to say, as I was sitting here, how sitting here and looking around and there's no car noise, I could swear that I'm back in the sixties. Yes. It really feels like a real tribute to bygone eras, isn't it? Yes. No. And we've, we've maintained it this
4: way and really highlight our, the legacy and try to maintain the, the country atmosphere, and you come out here, and it's like you're in a whole different world to get a breath of fresh air and have some great wine. So,
1: there's this real sense here at Herringer of a commitment to preserve the history, yes, and the legacy, yeah. And I, that's so important, yeah. You know, sometimes it's just nice to sit in an environment like this, yeah. that is so not high tech,
4: yeah. No, we were trained from a young age to wash our own clothes, so.
1: <laughs> now, do you guys go down to the levee and uh, down the leve- uh, down to the Slough, and you have an old washboard? And yeah, no, no not quite. We've that. graduated. You've from graduated that, from that. I'm sure my dad. Right, that we don't have a, a lot stories. of time here, but we tried some wines while we were taking the commercial break, and you actually hightailed it over to the tasting room. We had a, a 2003 Petite Syrah which was really, really made with a very soft touch. You have a a very old-world way of making wines. They're a little lighter, Mm -hmm. less heavy-handed, a little lower in alcohol. Yeah, Was that the intention?
4: Yeah, that's the intention. I'm just a steward of the grape, so we work really hard in the vineyard to produce the highest quality grape we can. And my job in the winery is just to not screw it up. So we really work hard to to maintain and elevate the quality of the vineyard and to showcase that into the bottles.
1: Oh, and you know what you did? He ran to the tasting room and he brought a couple more wines back. And I didn't see what he brought back, but he asked me the question, what is your favorite wine? Which I don't like to be asked. I've been kind of in a Cab Franc frame of mind for the last Mm -hmm. couple of months for some reason. And then he pulls out a bottle of Cab Franc, yeah. which I didn't even know you made. It's one of our favorites. So. Yeah, and it's good. I'm yeah. having this. Very nice. Wonderful. Folks, go discover Cab Franc. Yes. Because Cab Franc is, first of all, it was the big daddy of the Bordeaux family. And then it just got pushed aside yeah. by Cabernet Sauvignon for a long time, like, you know, a hundred years. So now it's time to return to our Cab Franc roots. I got time to taste one more. What's okay. it going to be?
4: Well, let's, uh, let's go with our very unique Tiroldigo. So this is a native Italian big, okay great heavy bold red Italian
1: and it's grape. a it's a wine you don't see very many people make here in California or in the country for that
4: matter that's right so this so we were when we first planted this back in 2006 there was less than a hundred acres in all of California.
1: Yeah, this is really nice. And I'll tell you, this really tastes Italian. Yes. In every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So that's how
4: many acres of this do you have? We have we started with just three acres. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot of our acres. We started a very small, just to really showcase and try to find what was going to be the sweet spot for our area. And the uh, good news is we haven't found one grape we can't grow really well in our climate bad news is now we've got 24 different varieties to start <laughs> yeah, to
1: sort so, out all so. right let me just summarize herringer estates sacramento valley sacramento river delta the town of clarksburg yep. 150 years old 24 varieties a lot of history seven and generations of seven family
4: generations
1: you know what that's a place you want to go visit and support. Thanks for being on the show. No, thanks for having us. It's w- been a pleasure. I've just had the, the nicest treat. afternoon here sitting out here in the barn. And looking out over the vineyards, this is just a really beautiful spot. Have a great
4: afternoon and uh, take, a, take a break from real life and come on out here and enjoy some wine
1: with us. Well, I would argue that this is real life. <laughs> oh, there you go. I like yeah, that. Take a break from that miserable, <laughs> congested, over-demanding <laughs> yes. life that you have and, yes. and see what real life is all yes. about. For people who want more information, I'll just tell you, you're just going to go to Herringer, Anar- H-E-R-I-N-G-E-R, estates.com. Yes. Yeah. Get your information there. Can they there buy wine know. online?
4: They can buy wine online. We're open here seven days a week. We love to serve guests. We serve our land. We serve our vineyards. We serve the grapes. We serve these wines and we love to serve people.
1: That's gonna do it for grape encounters this week. We're gonna be back here same time on this great radio station. You know, check it out. Herringer Estates Vineyard and Winery. We sure appreciate it, Mike, and uh, wish you the very best of luck. Thank you, David. I appreciate All right. your time. See you next week.
0: Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at grapeencounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounter Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us. But be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay, we have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles.